Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the Squanch. This is Wisecrack's Rick and Morty podcast. I am Michael Burns, joined as always by some Squanchers. We got Ryan Haley. What's going on, Rick and Morty fans? And very special guest today, Sierra Cato, um, a multi-hyphenate comedian, writer, actor, do-everything type person. Sierra, how are you today? Oh, I'm great. Thank you for that intro, Michael. I'm... Yeah, I'm just happy to be here. Really excited to talk well, We're about happy to have you here. And today we're talking about episode um, four from season five, Rick Dependent Spray. We're keeping our theme of every episode having to play off a popular movie title. Um, before we get into it, Sierra, I just want to chat for a second. So um, we know that you do all the things um, from just like checking out your work. And right now, if I have this correctly, you're currently writing for Close Enough on HBO Max. Yes, yeah, we actually just wrapped the writers' room, but I was on season three of that show. Oh, so cool! So yet, it, yes, so even if someone Very didn't enjoy exciting. the first two seasons, we can tell them confidently that they're going to love season three because that's the one that you were on. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> change the game, you know. <laughs> yeah, but yes, it's it's been a been a real honor. That's awesome. No, that's a really fun show, and it's a show that I know a lot of our fans on Wisecrack have hit us up before to ask if we could ever do something on oh, it. Cool. So. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. I did want to ask about one thing. I found this really interesting. So you, you know, write, you perform. Um, you also are a freelance web developer with a computer science degree from Harvard? It's true, you know. Gotta do it. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was my, that was my, uh, that's my plan B, I guess. And I love to do it sometimes on the side. And, you know, gotta keep the parents happy. That's the best plan b ever anyone who's like trying to be in entertainment follow sierra's model that's such a good uh thing to have <laughs> have the skill to be able to do we finally um, have a smart person on this podcast finally Ooh, um, don't know i don't know if that's if i count there but you know if you ever need uh a i guess i even forget a javascript or any sort of oh yeah you know website made Sure. Amazing. Um, and just before we dive into Rick and Morty, question for you. I know you're a stand-up comedian. Have you been getting back out there now that clubs are starting to open up again? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's definitely shows happening. I think people are really hungry to go and see live comedy. So it's actually been like much more forgiving audiences, even though I'm very rusty. So, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Well, at the end, we'll take a second then. You should definitely shout out any shows you have coming up where Wisecrack fans based in Los Angeles can go see you. Um, but we'll get into it now. We're talking Rick and Morty. We're talking this episode. Here's where we always get started. Let's do initial thoughts. Ryan, I'll let you go first. What were your initial thoughts and in your grade for episode four, Rick Dependent Spray? I'm going to go uh, grade first and go C minus D plus. Ooh. This is my least favorite of the series so far, unfortunately, but I also like things about it. Like every Rick and Morty episode, it's not like a hard, oh, I didn't like this one. There's there's things that I, that I was laughing about, but overall, and I think D, D plus is probably even too harsh. I'm going to stick with C minus. Yeah. Um, compared to everything else. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I kind of had similar gripes to ha to what I did last week, where it felt gratuitously insane and not necessarily a a, a good way, <laughs> especially with all of the, I don't know the Morty jacking off uh, 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 through line was good. I don't. I wish it had been developed even more in a I don't know a, 
I didn't love the episode. That's, I guess, I have, you know, we'll break it down, but I didn't love yeah. the episode. What did you guys think? Okay, yeah. And Sierra, a quick question to you. Before you tell us what you thought about the episode, can you just say a quick word? What's your general relationship with the show? Are you like a big Rick and Morty fan in general? Have you been watching it consistently? Just out of curiosity before we dive in. Yeah, yeah. I am a big fan. I mean, I, I, I think I've missed a few episodes recently, especially in season five, but... Um, yeah, the, the earlier seasons watch, you know, binged them all, of course, like many people, um, in college, I remember. And, uh, and yeah, and I, I know at least a couple people have written on it and, you know, big fans of them and their work. So yeah. Great. So then what's your take on this episode? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think I'm similar to Ryan here. I definitely feel like it wasn't great. I have a lot of, um, you know, questions, but I guess, probably a C, I would say, maybe a flat C. And, um, you know, I think, I think there's definitely, it feels like a, maybe a season five, like they're taking some chances and kind of just wanted to have one where they could do one of the things that they wanted to do for a long time or something. Um, but yeah, so that's where I'm at. <laughs> yeah. Well, we are, you know, people were looking for arguments on this episode. I don't think you're going to find it in this sense. Cause, uh, I'm with y'all. I would give this a, a C, like a low middle C, not quite a C minus, but right on the cusp of that. Uh, I tend to be, I feel like sometimes the the good cops to Ryan's bad cop and be really optimistic about stuff. But yeah, the, as soon as the episode finished on my first watch, I kind of found myself saying out loud, like, that kind of sucked. Um, just in terms of what, you know, we've come to expect from it. And I think one thing that's telling is, so over at Wisecrack, the past three episodes, we've done, um, you know, these quick take reaction videos to the first three episodes of Rick and Morty, because there were some good ideas there we were able to dig into. And today at our meeting to discuss that, it was just a lot of, well, we, we could talk about this, but there was nothing that was like enough to really dig into, which is fine because the show's done a lot, but it felt like they were throwing a lot of things at the wall. There was a lot yeah. of interesting stuff going on. Didn't come together super well. And it, and we could get into this more, too. It felt like there was some things they were maybe trying to say that, that, that didn't get executed super well. A lot of incest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't like a part of over, the episode. Overabundance of incest. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't need that. <laughs> <laughs> sure. A full product. Uh. It was two weeks in a row, too, because last week there was an incest storyline in the episode or like a quick thing with two of the people on the dying alien planets. And the guy says, I'm having sex with my dad. Um, and then we have it this week. So that's not something I expected this season was two episodes in a row that reference incest. I feel like we could start there for a second, because to me, like I am not against a well-written incest joke. OK, I'm just going to say <laughs> that, like if it's good and it's, it makes you laugh, it's it works and it's it's worthy. But it's just like it definitely felt like incest jokes for the sake of incest jokes in a, in a weird way we're just kind of yeah. like like that was the joke was how fucked up this whole scenario was which they do a good job of that but it's always better when it fits into the grander narrative and, and they're saying something too where i don't know i mean did you see is there a commentary on incest i'm missing uh, <laughs> like please show it to me uh, not one that i caught so <laughs> Oh no! Yeah. You were just the joke part. <laughs> when you were saying I'm, I'm not against an incest joke. I thought you were going to say I'm not against incest. So I'm glad you said joke. So that's good. But um, but yeah, I also agree. I think, I think, uh, yeah, the the theme of it felt like maybe it was shame or something. You know, I guess there wasn't like a bigger theme that made that seem like oh, but haha, here's the incest part. That's like, you know. 
yeah. the fun side of the overarching theme. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you bring up shame. I do think that's one of the main themes, if there is one. But before we get into that, let's do a quick recap, and then we will dive into some of these topics and see if we can find something interesting going on here. Um, but here's our recap for Season 5, Episode 4. We open with Morty joining Beth at work at the horse hospital, where Morty learns about the breeding mount they use to extract semen from horses. He then spends a week using it to um, pleasurably extract vital fluids from himself under the guise of volunteer work. Rick then shows up at home with a barrel of horse milk that he plans to use to create a bioweapon, and rather than warning him that it's actually an entire barrel of a 14-year-old boy's semen, Morty lets him use it, leading to the creation of a race of sperm monsters. While the space sperm go on a killing spree, and somewhere in Beth wonder how big space penises are, the President of the United States brings the family in so Rick can solve Morty's problem. Morty, by the way, is so caught up in his own shame, he refuses to reveal the truth and lies right to the President's face. Also, every dude in power in this episode is wildly sexist at every opportunity to both Summer and Beth. The sperm all head to the Grand Canyon because, you know, and Rick and Morty team up with some Marines to go take them out. Once there, Morty bonds with one of the sperm who recognizes Morty's crotch as his genetic home, and Rick eventually learns the truth of Morty's after-school volunteer activities because of the sperm queen. And then she milks Morty for more of his genetic material. Summer, meanwhile, finally convinces the president that they can catch all the sperm with a giant egg, and then the president quickly gives credit to a scientist who says that he came up with Summer's idea. Eventually, Morty's sperm friend, Sticky, breaks Rick and Morty out of the sperm queen's cave, and they head to Vegas, where all the sperm are headed to impregnate Summer's giant egg, which she's still not getting credit for. Before they can help, Rick and Morty are accosted by the Chuds, an underground race of horses, but their lives are spared after the king learns that Rick put a baby in his daughter. The Chuds, along with a bunch of Vegas performers who are deputized, then fight alongside Rick and Morty to kill the sperm before they can impregnate Summer's egg. Sticky saves the day by taking out the sperm queen before she enters the egg, but then he enters the egg himself. We end with a massive incest baby being flown into space with a speed that would make Richard Branson jealous. And then after the credits, we see some astronauts encounter this baby. That's the episode. Um, so let's dive in then. Sierra, you brought this word up a second ago. It, it seems like if there's any thematic for the episode, it is shame. Um, and, and in particular, Morty's shame about aspects of his own sexuality or sexual desires or something like that. Uh, do we all kind of see that one? I, I, I would say shame and... Um... And what, like, like taking, taking responsibility for your own actions, I guess, which is in this case is him jerking off in this horse thing. Uh, uh, so it's like, that is a funny concept to me. It's like, he is literally being asked by the president of the free world, like, Hey, like we need to know what's going on. He's like, so ashamed that he, you know, uh, uh, did this. And it's so, that's so absurd. Like, I like that that is the basis of the episode. That's funny. It's just that it didn't really go anywhere else from there. Um, what did y'all think? Mm, yeah, I, I also liked, I, I think I could see where the premise was pretty funny. Like, you know, given that it's the yeah. mom's workplace too, and you're just, you know, trying to volunteer after work or whatever to use that machine, which is uh, horrifying if it comes out, you know? So so I think that was cool. Uh, but yeah, I guess maybe past like the cold open of when, you know, he has to, actually um come clean it does feel like oh well a lot of stuff was out of it wasn't really morty's fault right that they kind of turned into this huge thing so it kind of feels like overblown mm -hmm. for his own actions but you know yeah that is funny that the president gets involved i know the um, second time we've seen yeah. the president in four mm -hmm. episodes i'm pretty sure um so that's always fun 
But yeah, I, I do think like, and we've talked about this a little bit, I think throughout this season thus far, they have been exploring different aspects of like human psychology because we've talked about religion, they've talked about war, um, and the way in which these feel like primordial to the human experience of the world. And I, you know, I did think a little bit about our old friend and, and someone who some people don't like, Sigmund Freud, who, when he talks about shame, you know, makes it this fundamental part of human psychology that like we're born, we have these different desires, many of them sexual, society tells us that those those things are, are bad or weird. So we kind of suppress that and find other ways in society to like bury those things or, or place them where they're appropriate. But that like the repression of shame is just fundamental to the human experience. So I did think, you know, there was times at which I, I thought they handled that in interesting ways. And I think especially when we get to the end of the episode, it's telling that when, you know, Morty speaks to Kathy Ireland, um, former Sports Illustrated swimsuit model, who is married to the uh, Marine, whose name I forget, who was a, a mythical figure. Um, but, you know, she, like, begs him to be honest and tells Morty that, like, the truth is all that matters, and then he's honest, and she immediately gets pissed. So I felt like there was some sort of commentary on how, like, in society we... There's so many things that we are shameful about, but then we're told to like be honest and express ourselves, but then you do, um, and you get in trouble for that. And it's an interesting contrast, too, between Morty and Summer, because this is the second episode in the row where Summer's been pretty open about her sexual desires. Um, in the last episode, she was like traveling around going to orgies with Rick. In this one, she kind of, again, has a few comments with Beth that are very sexual in nature. So she's kind of like opening up, expressing that. Morty, on the other hand, seems like he's almost punished um when he tries to be honest absolutely and the uh uh for, for it seems like the series the thrust if you will of this of the season so far is morty's sex life right you know like he 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 had the whole thing with planetina right last week and then i want to say in the first two episodes i'm, I'm blanking on it oh there's um, the jessica thing early on no the whole jessica thing in the first episode right and now here we are it's like he's been rejected at for a couple episodes so now he's stuck to jerking it in the horse lab and uh and that's its own kind of you know he he, he wasn't getting the girl so that was kind of he felt bad about that now he's literally getting shamed for masturbating all the time so he can't do anything right it seems like so to me i guess if i'm gonna stretch and like make a justification for the whole you know incest uh through line it's just kind of like that is the ultimate fucking taboo right where it's just like like if that you know it's like oh he's responsible for this incestuous relationship with summer now because he jerked off like in the horse lab like like, I guess that is the ultimate thing that you, you know, would maybe be shamed for or something. And that's why they, they went that far. And there was that really, uh, I thought it, it was funny how they had that line where Morty literally goes, yeah, this is even fucked up for, uh, for us or something like that, right? He like straight up just comments in a meta way that, that this is a way more insane episode than others. It's just that it, I don't think from based on our reviews or people in the chat and stuff, it's like, it doesn't seem like they succeeded. And making it funny, at least. Harsh, but fair. I know. Sorry, Dan. Sorry, Justin. Sorry, everyone else involved. Yeah, and it was interesting, too. That yeah, they took some swings. Uh, and, you know, I didn't say any of that. I like all of you. I think everything you do is good. And everyone who <laughs> show any showrunner in the world is good and pure. And I have only good things to say about you. And you could find my information later. Um, but, you know, there was that moment, too, where um, the sperm queen... Um, refers to like all the sperm as Morty's shame incarnate. 
So I like that they were kind of going for that too, as like this representation of like his shame literally following him. Um, and then this is going to be a huge stretch right here. This is this is ridiculous, and I'm giving them way too much credit. But then it's sort of like his one sperm he makes friends with is this sort of like coming to terms with shame. The one that sort of like <laughs> recognizes him, and they have some relationship. And it's like by accepting that one sperm, he, he's accepting that part of himself or something like that. But that's a stretch. Okay. <laughs> I like where your head's at. Yeah, that's. I, I won't go any further than that. Yeah. <laughs> the Morty Sticky relationship was cute. I thought that was a fun. You know, I, yeah. I guess I was confused why Sticky looked so different from the rest of them. But you know, I mean, maybe because it was the sweetest one. Yeah. Um, did you all think they're trying to draw a more explicit parallel between Rick and Morty here, in that? You know, both of their stories, and it was a kind of minimal B-plot in this one, but in both cases, they're getting into trouble because of sexual desires. So, you know, Rick's getting himself in trouble because he gets the chud princess pregnant. Morty's getting in trouble because of the, the horse sperm machine. We know that Rick in the past gets himself in trouble because of what he does sexually. Um, are they trying to point towards this world where, like, Morty is becoming more like Rick as he as he ages or something? I don't see that necessarily. I mean, it, it's funny you say that though, because because there is that that funny line where where Rick admits he has like substance abuse problems, right? Or because he doesn't yes. remember that entire relationship he has. That's a step forward for Rick, you know. But yeah, maybe maybe we are kind of seeing this cycle start happening where Morty is becoming more like Rick, you know, and then but Rick is starting to clean up his act. And to me, what I took from the the from the sticky the sperm looking like that was that he's clearly like to me like the dumb sperm like the that you know like you that's like a joke it's like oh that dumb person friend I have is probably the slow, somehow the slowest sperm made it or something you know <laughs> and, and and so that's what I saw sticky but it was like Morty was like oh taking sticky under his wing and maybe it was like Morty related with sticky because maybe he was not the brightest sperm in the dick <laughs> okay or however you want to put it <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious yeah yeah that that makes sense yeah i kind of um felt like this was you know i mean any anything where you're coming of age like morty this is a very coming of age yes, story totally. i suppose so it was it could be that he's you know they're kind of pushing him forward a little bit more i mean you know i guess he's like even thinking more of Morty not as like the innocent one who's getting dragged along and you kind of feel bad for, right? That's kind of like his MO. And so like, it's kind of interesting to see him, you know, hitting these kind of milestones, like having his own child. (laughs) I mean, it is funny too, that like the parallels with Morty and his, you know, I guess his son Sticky, um, that Sticky helps them in so many scenarios, but then when it all comes down to it, he does the thing that they were trying to prevent. He still can't help himself but following that urge to enter the egg. Um, similar to his dad, who seems like he cannot keep himself out of trouble if his teenage horniness is somehow a factor in his decision making. So definitely like a like father, like sperm moment there. Absolutely. And we had an a, a A plus comment from the com from the chat. McRae Valerie says coming of age, spelled C U M M I N G. Uh, thank you. Wow. And also, thanks in the chat. I'm sorry if I say your name wrong to uh, uh, Simintali Batiste for your generous donation. We really appreciate it. And thank you for your support. Oh, yeah. That rock. 
Yeah, rocks very much. Um, well, Sierra, was there anything off the sort of shame stuff that you noticed in this episode or anything you, you wanted to talk about to, you know, invite you on here and then put you on the spot? Oh, yeah. No, love it. <laughs> um, yeah, I think with the shame stuff, I guess I guess I was I didn't you know, I didn't make the parallel between that. I think was his name Blazin or, or the, the yes, mercenary guy who, okay. yeah. So, yeah, yeah, the fact because I was kind of confused about his character initially. So I was like, this is, you know, I kind of loved the the guest stars of Rick and Morty, right? And I feel like we had him and then he kind of, you know, I was like a little confused about the whole um, Kathy Ireland thing. But, you know, yeah, I think I think it kind of makes sense in, this, in now thinking back to that connection that, you know, they're trying to show everybody's levels at which they had their different bouts with shame, whether that was wearing a thong or... Uh, and hiding it after, even posthumously, or um, you know Morty himself. But uh, and then I guess like I don't know. Maybe this is branching too much off topic. But I guess I was kind of interested in like yeah. Vegas as a setting, you know, because that's sort of like okay, so that's Sin City. That's where you know you cast all your shame aside and you go for it. Um, so. I see why they ended up there. But I was kind of like, I felt like that and the Grand Canyon didn't feel as connected other than like geographically, I guess they're close. So they would be able to go to both. But like, you know, I guess I was wondering if like they wanted to do more Vegas or just Vegas as an afterthought or whatever, because I don't know, I maybe would have liked to see them drill harder into Vegas or, um, or really stick in the Grand Canyon if that's what they wanted to do. But uh, yeah, so I guess yeah. those were kind of my initial things. No, the Vegas thing is great because when you, know, you really think about what Vegas represents and like the American consciousness. It's like the place where you leave your repressive tendencies at the airport until you get back where people go to like do things and indulge in desires that they would never do back in, you know, Wichita or Tallahassee or wherever. Um, and wasn't there like the marketing campaign that Las Vegas had a few years ago? Was it just like what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas or something like that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So there's that whole thing that like this is where you go to let that happen. So, of course, that's the city where like technically, uh, you know, Rick and uh, sorry, Morty and Summer would end up with like a giant incest baby on top of a pyramid getting shot into space because where else would like desire run rampant like that? And it and it subverts that phrase because it's not staying in Vegas. It's uh, <laughs> yes, the whole world can see it above the atmosphere. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Also, it seemed like another choice. I mean, I feel like the, since the show is kind of avoiding serialization or, or having you know things that happen in one episode play too much into what happens down the line, it seems like they're taking bigger swings with that, like shooting a massive incest baby into space, knowing they're never going to have to deal with this again. <laughs> um, I find pretty bold, you know, if it was any other show or a show that had more serialization, I'd be like, well, what's going to happen to that now? But I'm sure that will just be an afterthought we'll never hear about again. <laughs> yeah, it's one way to get rid of that, I guess, plot line is to shoot it yeah. into space. <laughs> um, do we think there's any relationship between, because, you know, the one of the other themes of the episode was sort of Beth and Summer in different ways being belittled or not listened to, um, you know, Summer throughout the episode is pitching all of these ideas. And the first time she pitches the idea about the egg, the president gives credit to the scientist guy. The second time around, he avoids giving summer credit and credits like the cast of uh, Cirque du Soleil or something like that. Um, Zumanity. Yeah. And, you know, and even like, yeah, even, you know, Beth kind of is the one who's like, why the Grand Canyon? And is a little bit like, okay, you guys are idiots. So... Any thoughts on what they were trying to get at or say with the 
Beth and Summer stuff in this episode. I guess the Summer stuff in particular. Yeah, I I mean, I I liked the the first bout of that when, you know, the scientist gets credit right after. Like, I thought that was pretty funny because it was like, um, well, because only because I thought Beth's reaction was funny, which was like, you're finally yeah, yeah, yeah. or whatever. Like, I guess if, I mean, going back to coming of age, you know, if, if I guess uh, this is Morty's coming of age, maybe it's also Summer's because if you get t- your idea taken, that's you're a woman. Um, but I think, no, I think it was also like, um, I guess it was such a clearly what sperm driven uh, which is tied to guys driven episode. I think it was, you know, somewhat necessary to have some like self-awareness around that with some of the other characters, especially Beth and Summer. Um, and I am, I'm not like super familiar with why Zoomanity was highlighted there, but I remember seeing ads for them. And I think it's a very, you know, apparently it's kind of like a R rated or X rated version of Cirque du Soleil in case anybody's, uh, Going to Vegas. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, everyone, you know, this episode sponsored by the Las Vegas Tourism Council. Enter code uh, Morty Sperm for 15% off. Um, <laughs> no, but it's kind of interesting, too, that, you know, Morty causes all the problems and kind of gets away with it to a certain extent. Um, you know, this idea that, like, men and young men make dumb decisions based on, you know, their sexual desire and get away with it, whereas Summer is trying to proactively help the situation and gets like shoot away and doesn't get credit for it. Um, so I think that parallel was definitely going on there. Uh, Ryan, any thoughts on this one? Uh, I think you just pretty much summed it up. Uh, there is that funny scene where they literally jump on Morty's sperm to ride in to save the day, mm-hmm. you know, um, which I think oh. is a visual metaphor that I don't know if we needed, but it, it's apt, yeah. <laughs> you know, for this show. Yeah. I will say the animation was really good at that part. Um, when they, when they have Beth oh, and yeah, Summer riding great. the sperm, I was like, you know, I think a few fun. points this season, the, the animation looks like it's taken a level up. So that was cool to see in terms of things that were just positive. Um, now I know none of us love this episode, so I don't want to force the breakdown any more than we have to. Anything else anyone wanted to bring up before we jump over to the mailbag? I just want to give a shout out to Mason Jonathan's cameo. He's one of the best comedy comedy comedians ever. Um, go check out Amazing Jonathan if you haven't uh, checked him out. Not the crappy documentary that came out recently. That's oh, we, we don't like the documentary. No, it's stupid. It's okay, one of those where, like the filmmaker made it all about himself, and it's like him trying to make a documentary about Amazing Jonathan. <laughs> Boo! Amazing Jonathan's cool on his own. Okay, this yeah. is good to know because when I saw that, I thought to myself like. Oh, I've never watched that doc. Yeah, um, was that. there anything, Ryan, with the the amazing Jonathan taking the heart out, saying, is this your heart? Was that like a reference to anything deep in his comedy or just kind of a silly Vegas joke? It totally is a reference. Like, I want to say that that's even maybe a direct bit. Like, like he always has these literal bits. Like, the one I always remember as a kid where he goes, I will now attempt to pull this rabbit from a hat. And he just has a big top hat. And then he takes a gun out and goes, pull! And then a gun, a, a bunny comes out and then he shoots it, you know? It's like that kind of oh, jokes God. and comedy, you know? And, and I... So, yes, I assume that the, the there's a heart joke that he has made. Or yeah. maybe that's just like a, a, an amazing Jonathan-esque uh, uh, bit, but if you know, please send us an email and tell us for sure. Please do. Um, Sierra, any other thoughts on this episode in particular before we jump into some mailbag activities? Let's see, oh, you know, one thing we I wasn't we haven't talked about yet was the queen, the sperm queen, I guess, like, and that thing. And I think, um, you know, when they set up with the like, oh, 
what I did like is, yes, there are definitely in action movies, right? It's sort of like the, it's like you can't really have like a guy beating up a woman, even if she's a bad guy. It happens sometimes in movies, but, you know, normally it's you have your female yeah. protagonist. Yeah, you have your female protagonist now being uh, the one to take that person down. So, you know, I see what they're going for there. Um, wasn't, you know, maybe wasn't my favorite villain of, of the series, but uh, I think, yeah, that was, I don't know what everyone else's thoughts on that were but just wanted to shed light yeah and out of curiosity before we move on ryan i feel like you're paying attention to the chat are people in agreement with us or are there people that love this episode and think that we're just idiots that missed the point no everyone agrees everyone is basically like this was kind of a miss episode yeah. but but they just yeah they were they went they're trying to see how far they could go some people think it's like a shock jockey kind of episode which yeah. i can totally see that yeah but, you know, they still have, you know, a, a long season ahead of us, a lot of, you know, episodes still. And I do think, you know, this season, one of the coolest things about Rick and Morty is they brought on a lot of cool new writers. I think maybe sometimes there's like a, a bit of a growing pang of like transitioning the voice from some of the older writers, some of the newer writers and experimenting mm -hmm. and trying stuff out. I kind of still have faith that they're going to land on their feet. Oh. Um, and the first I, I mean, that, great, that, third, so, yeah. that second episode was so let's not forget how amazing that second episode was. Let's still love off the high of that. OK, this is they're experimenting. They're taking big swings. Let's not give up on them yet. Um, oh, I'd rather here, have here in this the than being too safe, you know? Oh, yeah. And the, the uh, deaf in the chat made a uh, made a comment, um, an observation. Incest is the real threat of this season, deaf says so let's see hopefully they're wrong but we'll see next week and they'll we'll check back in to see if incest truly is the overarching theme of the season wow what a scary thought of them just in the room and someone goes up to the whiteboard and just writes incest and is like well guys let's get the season going this uh, is the season this is what we're talking <laughs> about this season this is the the topic that needs to be broached with society right. we're not find a way to put this we're, in yeah we're season. not talking yeah. about this enough <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, good. But this is good. I'm glad we're in a place where we can acknowledge that this episode wasn't the best. The season's still doing some cool stuff. We're still hopeful moving forward. So I'm very excited. And to this, see and like next. we said at the beginning, this isn't even the worst. There's been worse Rick and Morty episodes. This goes Most somewhere. Definitely. You know, yeah. this is the worst. Listen, C minus. C minus, guys. You C's. You know, people used to say C's get degrees. Um, and you know, it's, is it a good investment to get C's if you're going into debt for college? No, you should maybe do a little bit better. But it still works. It still gets you gets you out the door. Yeah, so it passes. Yeah. Well, then uh, let's let's give it some time here to to hear what everyone else has to think. So Ryan is is been checking the chat. That's great. But if you are not here live, if you're listening later. We want to hear what you have to think about this episode. Um, so you can get in touch with us in two ways. One is you can email us at squanch at wisecrack.co. There is no M there. Squanch at wisecrack.co. Is it just CO because we're like a massive corporation? Is that why? Dot company? Yeah. Because we're a huge industrial multimedia conglomerate. That makes sense. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, we have five employees. And you can call us and leave a voicemail at 213-534-8807. That is 213-534-8807. So let's look at some emails we got this past week. Curious to hear what everyone has to think about these. We have some fun theories and questions people threw um and these are mostly about the last episode um so the first email is from jeff jeff says this the conversation on planetina's villainousness got me thinking about when or when not causing harm is justified 
What is different from an army causing civilian casualties from Planetina's eco-terrorism? Especially if it's an army fighting for what's billed as a good cause, i.e. an American army fighting Nazi Germans. Hope the season keeps entertaining us and giving us fertile food for thought. So I'm curious to, to hear what everyone thinks about that. Um, did the last episode try to get us to think about the fact that maybe sometimes you can get messy and violent if it's for a good cause or is Jeff just trying to get us to admit, you know, eco-terrorist tendencies um, on the podcast? I mean, that's kind of what we, uh, 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 I think we had said, you know, to comment on the whole road to hell is paved with good intentions metaphor and just finding that line is, is, is the whole name of the game and moral relativism or not moral relativism, but, but yeah, like, like weighing, two options you know it's the whole if i pull the train and i kill one person that you know or if i or if i pull the lever and it kills three whatever the fuck it is you know what i'm trying to say it's the same this is the dilemma we're in and uh what do y'all think would you pull the train lever or not (laughs) (laughs) would you kill one person or three people I'd probably do it wrong and everybody would die. You know? All right, there That's you go. Yeah. So, Casey, That's welcome what... to the podcast. Would you kill a bunch of people? Uh, <laughs> right, yeah. right. Or but, less people. Are we live? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I will say that's an interesting thing coming out of the episode, though, that it leaves those questions hanging. And I think sometimes, not to be too pretentious with it, the best art that makes us think about stuff doesn't give us the answers. It, it gets us thinking and leaves us with questions to ask, which I think is a cool thing. I agree. Yeah. Um, we have some other questions or issues on the same episode. So this is from Fabrizio. Um, Fabrizio says this. This may be an easy take, but I thought that the reason why Planetina killed a bunch of people and in general did bad stuff is because she, unlike Captain Planet, didn't have the heart power. Uh, maybe with it she wouldn't have done all that. Thank you, guys. So we had a few emails and comments about this that I guess in the original Captain Planet, there's a fifth a planeteer that has the heart power and that planetina does not have that did either of y'all catch this during that episode because i definitely didn't yeah i think we even said it in the episode in our podcast at some point i think um towards the end that's horrible that i was just so zoned out that i missed that on the podcast it's okay but yeah no i that does seem like some sort of weird commentary because she's notably absent you know uh from the thing but yeah maybe maybe they maybe that's true i will say that as a child i never i didn't conceptually grasp what the heart thing was all about because i can understand wind and fire like you see those elements but i'm like what is this heart person like like what does that visually look like really and it didn't ever work for me sorry um this is a gripes of a six-year-old child i'm talking about right now but what'd y'all think sierra Oh, I mean, I've been, I'm sorry, I've been silent because I am a bad guest. I did not see the oh, last no episode, problem. so I have no comment, <laughs> but I got to catch up. So Yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad. Excited. I would rather that, that be the case and not you just being like, well, I have a lot of thoughts, but can't get a word in with these two assholes. So I'm glad, but it, it is a good episode worth checking out. Um, so Paul said this, another thing I didn't really flag in the episode, he says, at one point, Planetina explains, Mother Nature has enlisted the help of four young adults from each major ethnicity. They combine the powers of their elemental rings to create me. And Paul says, did you guys notice that the four major ethnicities are black, Asian, white, and white? And I did not catch that at all, that they say four major ethnicities and it's half of them are white people. Um, (laughs) A kind of, I don't know, I feel like they're doing like lots of, I would say like subtle 
more like social commentary jokes this season, and that definitely seems like it would be one of them. Maybe it was because Steve Buscemi was supposed to be playing some New York Italian dude, and that's the route they were going. They were drawing the the line. <laughs> yes, the, there. the Italian is its own racial category. <laughs> <laughs> Also, we got a, a very pertinent observation from Def again she, they, that says Morty is the heart. Uh, that's what they think, that Morty it, it takes the place of the heart. Interesting. Thank you for showing us the meaning there, Def. Yeah. Um, so last email we'll get into, and as always, we, we love when you're writing. We love when you call. We don't have time to read every email on the air, but we read them all, and we appreciate them all, and they help us as we think through this stuff. So I just wanted to thank everyone again who does write in. If we're not going to read it this time, you know, we'll get it next time. But also, if you're going to write something that's really long, we're definitely going to read it. But we're probably not going to read it on the air because we only have so much time. So if your goal is to get on air, you know, keep it shorter. Um, but this is from Kristoff. And this is a longer one, so I might summarize here and there. It says, Planetina is a metaphor for the power to save the planet. It was controlled by millennials like us that were taught that Michael's three-minute showers... Um, and this is the thing last week, Sierra, I referenced it as a kid. I remember thinking that like, because of the thing I saw on Nickelodeon, that I had to take short showers to save the planet. Because if I use too much water, like climate change is going to be my fault. And um, our guest last week, Austin, talked about cute projects about acid rain. But basically, millennials thought that these things would stop climate change instead of corporations exploiting the planet and us consuming too much. So we wouldn't turn on capitalism. While controlled by the children who have sold their power to the highest bidder, she fights only the symptoms, not the root cause. When the power goes over to Gen Z Morty, never thought about Morty in the generational paradigm before, Planetina becomes more radical and protests by setting a congressman's house on fire. And now that she is not held back in her efforts to heal the planet by her 90s indoctrinated ring handlers, she realizes she has to become more radical, what you alluded to as an eco-terrorist. She's like the radical wing of the Fridays for Future or Extinction Rebellion movement, the one that comes out more when we have extreme heat in Canada, tornadoes in the Czech Republic, etc., etc., um, let's see. So they recycle by day and take out climate change denying politicians at nighttime. The writers are basically saying that if we have known about climate change since the 60s, generation after generation will become more aware and feel the consequences. And once the inaction by those in power goes on too long, it is not about fighting the symptoms such as acid rain and forest fires, but instead going after politicians and corporations exploiting the planet. And then they say, they, they say um, I wish she had offered a universal basic income to the miners instead of killing them, but that is probably not one of her powers. So a thing that happens, sorry to spoil this at all, Sarah, but um, this Planetina character who's based on Captain Planet gets a little aggressive at the end and burns down a mine, including the miners that are in it because they're still polluting the planet. But um, I don't know, what do y'all, and I think you can, you know, jump in on this if you want, Sarah, even if you didn't see the episode. What do we think about this idea that like Planetina shows us this like generational differences in how we respond to climate change and this idea that it used to be like, be a good consumer but now in the, the quote unquote Gen Z perspective, it's a little bit more like maybe it's not all our fault. Yeah, I love that take. I think that's cool. And I think that using Pl Captain Planet kind of drives that home because it's such a 90s icon kind of thing. And it's such a it's it's a very particular kind of like, oh, just if you just clean up this one bottle or don't you shouldn't even use those kind of bottles. You know, then we're we'll, we're all in this together kind of. And that's that'll do it. That's all we need to do. But it's way more complicated than that. <laughs> right. And I think that episode kind of shows us. No. Yeah. 
I mean, it's interesting because right now I think we're all in the Los Angeles area and I've gotten like, you know, alerts today that we're currently having a flex alert in California where we're supposed to reduce our power consumption from four to nine and you know i have like the fans off at home but in my head it's just like i don't think the people that live in like the very massive houses i can see from out the window are turning off their ac and their third refrigerator and i don't think a lot of people are doing that so it's that that question again of like when you know the power grid screwed up it's like you guys fix it i think kind of plays into this and we're kind of living that logic out um, so shouts to everyone listening who's in California and is getting weird things, scaring them, making them think if they don't turn stuff off. They're going to make the power go out. Do you guys ever get anxious about that when there's like alerts that it's going to be your fault when your neighborhood's power goes out? I don't know. I've gotten many of those. I've seen, I've seen a few and I would always, as a kid, I think, cause I grew up in LA, our power would go out the first, we, like we would, we signed up for this program, I think, where there were, it was like, yeah, shut off our power if you need extra power. So we would go full summers with like, not no power, but just like no AC for sure. And definitely like certain things. So it was definitely So like, your folks uh, were like the good eco people that were like, we'll take one for the team. Right. The I think that was the, the idea initially. And then it was yeah. like, what have we done? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, now we're on the full, you know, burn it all down. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> That's amazing. Generations. <laughs> yeah. I think it's probably just like repressed Catholic guilt or something I have, but there's times when it's like there's a heat wave. I'm just like if I turn the air down one more degree, is it going to be my fault that the grid goes out in my neighborhood and everyone has to deal with it? And that's crazy. And once again, this is probably a symptom of me growing up in the 90s and watching all this stuff that says everything is our fault. So there you go. A little power-based psychoanalysis at the end of the episode. Um, Well, before we wrap up, and this, I guess, segues a little bit, um, we're still doing quick takes of Rick and Morty episodes on the Wisecrack YouTube channel. We are not doing one this week. So if you're waiting for one, stop waiting. But the last one was on this very topic, and we asked the question, was Planetina right? And we uh, get into some recent work by some environmental scholars and activists and look at the question of how we can respond to gnarly climate change stuff. So check those out. Um, Now, most importantly, if you want to get in touch with any of us, um, not on this podcast via social media, let's talk about where we can do that. So Sierra, where if people want to like see your tweets or see clips of your comedy online and all those sorts of things, where can they find that? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm all the same handle. My full name, Sierra Cato, S-I-E-R-R-A-K-A-T-O-W. That's on Instagram primarily. Twitter, I do have not as frequent on there. Uh, TikTok, you know, I have a website where I will list some live shows for stand-up. Oh, awesome. And YouTube. Well, great. Well, check that out. And if you are in the L.A. area, why not get back out and see some live comedy? So go to Sierra's website, see where she's going up, and, and check some of that out because... We've watched. We've all watched too many front-facing videos and YouTube videos the past year, and they're funny. We love them. We make them. But let's go see some real-life comedy. So that's great. Um, Ryan, people want to talk to you, see the, see what you're working on, get more involved in the Ryan Haley Extended Universe. Where can they do all these things? Uh, check my videos out. Ryan Shorts. I'm uh, editing a Real Housewives of Beverly Hills tour video right now. Uh, my friend runs it out of his white bronco he uses for his oj simpson tour van uh anyway it's a whole long thing go it's all real man named adam papagan he does the best tours in la anyway that's what i'm working on right now go check me out ryan shorts on all the platforms or i'm on funhouse sometimes uh so that's the deal 
That's amazing. Um, you can find me at, at Michael O. Burns on the social media stuff. And um, if you are in the Southern California area, working on getting a, a new fun live variety show going that's going to start, I think, next month. So I'll talk about that on social media and beg you to come hang out. Oh, sweet. Um, yeah. But, and, and hey, open invite to anyone who's currently on this podcast. Um, but for right now, Sierra, thank you so much for coming. Yeah. Through. Really appreciate having you here. Um, oh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, come so back fun. whenever. We will bump guest to have you. Yeah, yeah, it was a good talk. Appreciate it, Sarah. Yeah. Um, awesome. Uh, Ryan, thank you as always. But let's end this train here. This has been The Squanch. We'll be back next week. Final words as always go to Ryan Haley. Ryan, what do you got for us? Wubba Lemon Dub Dub from Hollywood, California! Okay, we'll see you next week, guys. Thank you so much.